you very much. Eric, thank you for your speech. I was joking, of course. That's Hadrian here, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I'm used to your customary sang-froid in these situations where we're recording a live uh, Proopcast of the Greg Proops Film Club, which, by the way, uh, next year is going to go free uh, and separate and equal uh, from the um, uh, Smartest Man in the World vodcast. It's going to be its own uh, podcast that's just the film club that we do exclusively here, basically. I don't think we've done one anywhere else uh, and and like that. Um, I'm recording already, and I think... What we're going to do tonight is start right now. Normally, I would give a big preamble about how we're going to record a podcast. But I think in L.A. in the year 2013, at this late date during the Christmas holidays, when you've been smoking bad weed all weekend and haven't really eaten enough today and have decided to fucking take a chance with a Barbra Streisand movie from 1972 and <laughs> thought to yourself, so how bad can it fucking be? I like Greg. He's OK or whatever over the years. I hope he doesn't talk too long before the fucking movie goes on. I hope it's fucking funny. Fingers fucking crossed. This is funny. Uh, and you've braided some sort of weird ritualistic uh, shamanistic item and you brought it with you here tonight like a horse tail or a rabbit's paw or whatever they're called and, uh, and, and we're casting our fate to the cinematic gods tonight and I think that's what makes this the best and most special of all holidays that could possibly ever convene it's a Greg Proops Film Club uh, extravaganza Matthew McConaughey's. Uh, yeah, we're in the middle of a, a season where Matthew McConaughey. If you thought at the beginning of 2013 that at the end Obama was going to have to give a mea culpa on TV and Matthew McConaughey was going to be a good actor, that your world, you were living in Bizarro world, like Superman and shit like that. That shit was being thrown at you that the likes of which you had never had to deal with before. Uh, if he does a remake of like Swept Away and it it's good, then we know. Yeah. Then we know a meteor is going to hit Earth like a Lars Van Trier movie. We're fucked eight ways from Wednesday. If he wins a Golden Globe and an Emmy next year and a Tony for his appearance on Sesame Street, the play. If he fucking right. If he's on an AIDS Glee special and he's in a wheelchair and shit. No. Just think about it, you guys. This is, there's, it's good on the one hand, right? On the one hand, we've had Jared Leto in his wake like fucking Moondog in a Gidget movie, just fucking waving from the fucking ski-doo over there. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, there's the danger that the fact that Matthew McConaughey is being entertaining and salient mm, and achieving a Montgomery Cliftyhood at this late fucking date... Only several years after the movie Surfer Dude. Our frame of reference. Our frame of reference is etched in redwood. There's no going back on what you perceive the Torsosaurus, small T-Rexian, fucking dazed and confused McConaughey hood. Uh, with occasional forays. and uh, There was the movie where he was in a submarine for a good deal of the time. That was challenging. <laughs> But now we're in the middle of a full-blown fucking McConaughey-essence. The Dallas Buyers Club is so fucking nifty kittens that I can't even fucking begin to describe. And I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street yet, but I have it from a friend. And when I say a friend, oh, you're like, oh, one of your fucking stoner friends, Mr. fucking whatever. Mm. voice cut out in the darkness the plaintive voice of a young girl in turmoil the voice of a young girl who'd seen a movie and wanted to share with the crowd at large 
Greg had mentioned a friend. Could it be me, she thought, in the catalog of her mind? In the library of Alexandria that burned under the lighthouse at Pharos that was sought inside her? Each moment of her life catalog, each picture that she'd seen, completely subscribed to and signed off on with a fucking star attached to it? Would this be the moment when Christmas broke through? And a little match girl would fucking survive that last match and fucking light up a huge torch and send a Roman candle off to the sky like Patti LaBelle in a McDonald's commercial and shit. (laughs) I'm kind of deaf and I didn't hear what you said. There's a child in the audience. Who let children into this goddamn motherfucking movie theater? It's fucking Christmas. This isn't about children. Jesus fucking bleeding Christ. Crutch that the cat dragged in on a soda cracker during a methane experiment. Holy kittens. No one informed me there was a child here tonight, but thank you for coming out, young child. My parents, uh, I've discussed this on the show before, and I'd like to go into it in depth right now. My father took me to see Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch when I was 10 years old, okay? So this little skiff, this little skittle, this little skipping of the stones across the sea of profanity and fucking bare edginess, mayhem, pink envelope pushing that we're doing here tonight is going to be, one, a treasured memory that you'll hold dear the rest of your life. And two... Nothing but a blot in the comprehensive ocean of reality that's going to engulf you once you turn a certain age. Now, it's a little early to hip you to that jive, so lay back and have some dots or uh, junior mints or whatever. If I was on Duck Dynasty, I'd say, have some black crows. They're awesome. Really? 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 Objection. Sustained. Overruled. Tonight's picture. Uh, uh, hallowed be that name. It, uh, it's, it's from 1972 and it's called What's Up Doc? I was uh, uh, paging, yeah, by Peter Bogdanovich, starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill, and a panoply, if you will, of uh, character actors, well representing the early 70s. Um, Austin Pendleton, Ken Mars, uh, some people have seen the movie before, as I pointed out earlier, a young girl cried out uh, that she'd seen Dallas Buyers Club. I'm sure there's someone in this audience tonight who's seen What's Up Doc and had almost the same reaction. (laughs) 1972 is the year that this came out. Uh, it, it was a huge smash and did quite well at the box office. Is that the point, Greg? No. The point is this. It was the era of rebel filmmakers and uh, uh, people from the uh, late 60s and early 70s who were given uh, wild free reign to fulfill their artistic vision. We're talking about William Friedkin and Coppola, Scorsese, uh, Bogdanovich, on and on, Brian De Palma, whatever you want to say. Lena Wurtmuller. Let's get into the, the deal. Uh, <laughs> Not just the Hollywood ones, but all over the world. In any case, um, I wanted to read you because at Christmas time, uh, it's not that Wizard of Ozzy. It's more, uh, it's a wonderful life. And by the way, Hadrian is right. It's a wonderful life is quite a uh, a moving 
uh, depiction of a, a very difficult economic time in America's history. Mr. Potter is the Dick Cheney of World War II and rules, yeah, it like, they're poor people. <laughs> poor people, they have to die. <laughs> yeah. It's Lionel Barrymore, and he rules the universe like a, like a zeppelin that blots the sun out. <laughs> Lionel Barrymore's acting in movies is definitive. No one gets around Lionel Barrymore. In a movie that has James Stewart, Donna Reed, when uh, she's super foxy World War II, coming off the fucking James Jones. Uh, uh, um, it's, it's a year before that. What, what, what's the picture with uh, Burt Lancaster and... Um, from here to eternity, thank you. Thank you for bailing me out on that one. I appreciate it. Thank you for the backup, Starsky. Um, uh, and, and a superb cast all around. Frank Sinatra and Ernest Borgnine and whatnot. Uh, that one is really a groovy uh, chicken. But 1972. Uh, 1939 is often spoken of as Hollywood's high point because there's a lot of great movies from that year. In going through uh, just like studying What's Up, Doc?, I, I couldn't help but notice 1972 had an insane amount of movies. Maybe not to you. You're young. You're foolish. You, you run around a pigsty and you, your snout goes in every which way. And you, you, haven't, you toil not, neither do you spin like the lilies of the fucking field. But I, I, who have nothing, have stood in defiance of these. Listen to these pictures and tell me, asshole. The Godfather, 1972, Deliverance. And these are from IMDb, and it's a hilarious list. It's most popular feature films on their movie meter. <laughs> but this is what I like are the descriptions of the films that IMDb provides. The Godfather, 1972. Now, it may seem patently obvious to you that The Godfather needs no introduction nor any description whatsoever. However, you have to remember that there's an 11-year-old listening under their covers with a flashlight and a transistor radio. <laughs> While the rain breaks and a screen door slams incessantly where the flies still get through. Yeah, on a porch in Indiana. Yeah, you fucking heard me. That's what's happening, right? The smell of ozone is in the air and there's fucking fireflies over the lake. You following what's happening? <laughs> A ginger-headed girl is rolling a hoop toward a barn, and someone is listening to my show on the wireless. <laughs> well, here comes the Bambino for one of his last at-bats in the major leagues. The description of the Godfather. The aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty. Boo! 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 Barf! And carry on barfing. No, I do not accept this crappy summation of The Godfather. The Godfather is a sublime American film. It's really like a really fun film because it's entertaining. That would be the difference in The Godfather. Because, why is it entertaining, Greg? Marlon Brando and Al Pacino are in it. That's why it's fucking entertaining. And it's got Robert Duvall and James Caan and Richard Castellano and Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, everything. It's got everything. I'm smiling. You know, it's got everything. But uh, you can't say an aging patriarch. That's not how you view the movie when you're watching it. You go, Marlon Brando. That's what you get. Magic. Uh, uh, 
the next movie, Deliverance. Wow. I wouldn't have put that one up that high, quite frankly. (laughs) For those of you who haven't uh, seen Deliverance, let me describe it very briefly. We're talking about What's Up Doc tonight, for goodness sakes. Uh, It's an engaging uh, comedy. Uh, (laughs) It's a man-com. Have you barely the wits to speak and yet you're a virtuoso on an instrument? Then this is the movie for you. (laughs) For anyone who can groove on John Voight, uh, it's a John Voight movie. Last Tango, number three. Here's the the description of Last Tango. A young Parisian woman begins a sordid affair. (laughs) You had me at young Parisian woman. You lobster clawed me at sordid affair. I was stuck in between a table full of fucking galois butts and a black leather boot that had been left there like a fucking tennis shoe thrown over a telephone wire. Uh, number four, cabaret. And I was watching it. I was watching it two scant weeks ago. Cabaret is still hardcore. There's parts of it that are parched. Like taking a trip through the Sufi desert on a donkey that hasn't been fed. Uh, but, there are, but there are extraordinary. Cabaret is an amazing American musical. If there's an American musical, I mean, uh, how many American musicals are Kurt Violian and Brechtian and uh, George Groltz? Is it? Who, who, who's the. Uh, Gross. Is it? How do you say it? Gross. Gross. <laughs> Grass. Uh, pink flamingos. Really? Hey, 1939, take stagecoach, okay? And stuff it up your drawer. Pink flamingos. Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, you fucking heard me. Robert Redford grew a beard, you guys. Will Gear was in it. There were communists in this movie and ptarmigans. Uh... The Poseidon Adventure. I saw it with my dad on New Year's... Thank you. Thank you. I saw it with my dad on New Year's Day that year. I was 11. And uh, I don't mind saying it. I don't fucking give a shit. A lot of you are like, oh my God, what was Birth of a Nation like? Scandalous. (laughs) We went like five times and it cost 50 cents every time. I had a sarsaparilla. I talked to a Negro. I've been going to the movies a long time, you guys. I'm not fucking kidding. When I first started going, 50 cents. 50 cents. And then it went up to 75 cents, and it was on last night, and my wife will bear me out on this because she's here. Dr. Doolittle was on TCM last night. A movie with Rex Harrison from like 70, 71. Avoid. (laughs) Toxicity. (laughs) Love Canal. You know what I'm saying? Like Hiroshima. Don't go near it after the fucking glowing wears off. It's okay. It's funny. (laughs) What did Lillian Gish say? I saw her on The Tonight Show once. And uh, Lillian Gish is an extraordinarily, amazingly weird figure in film history. She made films from the dawn of film. She was in D.W. Griffith Pictures. And on Johnny Carson, she said, Dorothy was the funny one. I was about as funny as a baby's open grave.
And so this is Christmas <laughs> what have you done? A baby's open grave And I thought She made her first picture in like 14, 15 19, 14 or 15 That was funny then <laughs> You know how we're morbid with each other And we, we dig it Yeah, That was a funny joke then A baby's open grave I can't think of anything funnier And I've never thought of anything funnier Than Lillian Gish's description Of someone not being funny (laughs) I don't know Why Jeremiah Johnson Got lumped in with that It's a little bit torpid Uh, The Poseidon Adventure On the other hand Has Jill St. John Is it? Stella Stevens, thank you. Jesus Christ, thank you for writing me. Stella Stevens and and everyone else. (laughs) Roddy McDowell dies horribly in front of you in a movie. I know, it's terrible. Roddy McDowell... Let's talk about a movie called Laser Blast for a second. And then... All right, let's move back. (laughs) Sleuth... From 1972 An amazing movie And then What's Up Docs after that And then next after Sleuth Which is a a wildly entertaining two-hander With Michael Caine and Sir Lawrence Oliver And they really have a go at each other It's like two stags in a pen Uh, They do a bunch of different characters And they have fake mustaches on And they're doing different accents Than their actual accents And there's ascots and sweaters And a basement and drinks it's so English and so awesome. Uh, th- what? Are we? When did heckling get allowed at the Cine family? I didn't come here for the telethon, uh, and I know Bruce Stern was here, and that had to be a, an unbelievable moment because we're talking about 1972, and Bruce Stern's in the next movie I'm about to speak of here. Um, but I don't know when the floor got fucking opened, like this was the Roman fucking forum or something, and that anybody got to say whatever the fuck they wanted. At it. Have I been off the mic for like the last hour? Okay, thank God I'm loud. Uh, the next movie is Silent Running, directed by Doug Trumbull. I'm going to read you the synopsis they gave, but then I'm going to give you my synopsis. Uh, in a future where all flora is extinct on Earth. Okay, let's stop right there. Here's the synopsis of this movie. Bruce Dern. Yeah, Bruce Dern. Um, with all of the baggage he brings is going to save all the plants that are left in the universe that are on a fucking spaceship. In order to do that, he has to kill everyone else that's on the spaceship, which he does. And then teaches a bunch of robots to do his bidding and then doesn't realize too late that the spaceship's going out of the atmosphere of the sun and therefore the plants will fucking die and shit. It's a 70s movie. Bruce Dern wears, um, like, uh, uh, Jeremiah robes in it. You know, like, I fucking have the truth and shit like that. And then kills a guy with a shovel at one point. And then teaches a robot how to play poker. It's the best movie you'll ever see. (laughs) It's called Silent Running. And do not... Before we speak again, I insist you see that movie. Nineteen seventy-two had cries and whispers, the bitter tears of Petra von Kant. Yes, Fassbender, uh, Harold and Maud, the ruling class, the heartbreak kid. Um, the harder they come, 
Superfly. Play it again, Sam. This is one year, you guys. I'll put 1972 up against any year in cinematic history. Um, if you've never seen Superfly, oh, what can I tell you? What's up, Doc? Bad Company, King of Marvin Gardens. We've already had Pink Flamingos. Um, Silent Running, The Hot Rock with Robert Redford and George Siegel. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's shit hot. What can I tell you? Uh, X, Y, and Z. Avoid at all costs, but amazing. Boxcar Bertha. Yeah, Martin Scorsese had a movie in that year. Night of the Lepus. A movie where <laughs> rabbits are infected with a horrible fucking transitory inflammation that turns them into psychopathic monster killers. And in order to show rabbits being threatening, they slow the movie down and play the soundtrack really slow. So there's giant rabbits going like this across the camera going... And that is supposed to make rabbits frightening. <coughs> it's called Night of the Lepus. And it's not to be trifled with. Play it as it lays. Anthony Perkins, Tuesday Wild. Un <coughs> unmissable. Uh, butterflies are free with Goldie Hawn. There's a blind guy. What if he gets hot front room pussy? That's the plot of that movie. <laughs> Travels with my aunt. Maggie Smith plays a Nazi sympathizer. It's so good. These are all from 1972. Hammersmith is out and Trotsky. Two of Richard Burton's hammiest fucking roles in one year. Blackula. <laughs> fucking Blackula, you guys. I had no idea 1972 had such a huge swinging sock filled with quarters. We should start this show. Um, not, uh, one, two more from 1972 and then we're fucking off. Fritz the Cat, The Getaway, Lady Sings the Blues, Judge Rory Bean, The New Centurions, The Seduction of Mimi and Brother, Son, Sister Moon, and Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex are all from 1972. Yeah, it's power packed. It's power packed. It's like a One Direction concert. It starts. Yeah. The flood does not cease. 1939, Rules of the Game, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, Stagecoach, Mr. Smith, Nanochka, Wuthering Heights, Destry, Gunga Din, Young Mr. Lincoln, The Women, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Only Angels Have Wings, Dark Victory, Mice and Men, The Stars Look Down, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Roaring Twenties, Bachelor Mother Intermezzo, Son of Frankenstein, Stanley and Livingston, Dodge City, Sherlock Holmes, Dr yeah. 1972. Has a biggest dick as 1939. I'm sorry. If Blackula and the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant and The Godfather and What's Up Doc all came out in the same year, I say that year fucking deserves a fucking nifty kitten candy cane of Christmas cheer. Uh, yeah. And in Albert, uh, also The Ruling Class with Peter O'Toole. And there's another other crappy Peter O'Toole movie. Uh, the Man of La Mancha came out and said, yeah, fucking kaboom. 
There's 70s movies and there's 70s movies, as we've discussed. In this movie tonight, you will see plaid suitcases. <laughs> they are the source and font and f- fontanelle of all the trouble in this picture. Everything uh, uh, comes from the fact that those plaid suitcases are confused. You're going to see people who are overly tanned. <laughs> What color are they going to wear, Greg? White. (laughs) San Francisco is the backdrop for this picture. And uh, one, it's my hometown, but two, it's the cutest place that could ever be. And when you shoot at six in the morning on a Sunday and it's empty and shit, it looks so fucking cute. Um, The major chase scene at the end, there's no spoiler alerts in this, by the way is shot in the Richmond district, which is a district that's very rarely shot in. It's adjacent to Golden Gate Park, and it's a little bit foggy. But there's wild hills and lots of old houses there still. It it retains the charm that it had uh, in uh, Peter Bogdanovich's vision. He also does a staircase chase at one point in the movie, and I leave it to you to uh, figure which uh, scene this is in the picture. Those stairs are still damaged from this movie shoot (laughs) from 1972, and I give you what's up, Doc, ladies and gentlemen, with Peter Rodanovich, Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn, and Madeline Kahn. You're the top. How swell was that? Super swell. That's a pacey little breakneck comedy, huh? Wow. Uh, You know, uh, there's a lot of really funny movies from the 70s, but that one is fucking breakneck. Uh, I'd forgotten. I was hysterical at one point. (laughs) I like when she says, I can't see. And he goes, there's not a lot to see. We're just inside a Chinese dragon. Uh, the, the abuse of self-tanner in this movie is uh, uh, felonious, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, 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 and, and every, uh, every um, uh, uh, giant chase and every set piece has a, a big conclusion and lets you draw a breath at the end of it. I thought that was uh, kind of an amazing thing as well. Um, let's talk about it for a few minutes and then we'll fuck off into this good night. I have to reappraise uh, this movie after having seen it again and having uh, chatted with my wife, Jennifer, who chose this movie, and Doug Benson, who adores this movie, and, uh, and say that it, it, it is all that in a bag of fucking Barbara Streisand uh, tofu flavored antiseptic chips. Um, <laughs> She's delightful in this, and uh, she goes a mile a minute, and Ryan O'Neill is hilarious. I think my favorite part of Ryan O'Neill is when they're in the giant chase at the end on the bicycle in the cars, and he goes, no. <laughs> There's like three of those. She goes, I think we can make it, and he goes, no, like that. It's very funny, because he sells it really low. He really sells it low. There's crawling on the floor uh, in this movie, and, uh, and plaid bags, and it's ins- insanely good, the plaid bags. Uh, let's have a couple comments, and then we'll, we'll bugger off. It has to really go up there with, I think, uh, Annie Hall and Young Frankenstein, which I think are the two funniest, uh, uh, well, maybe, what is Airplane later in the decade? That, that's pretty, that's a yawk fest as well, isn't it there? A- anybody? And then we'll, because it's Christmas, and Robbo is uh, that the cast of American Hustle is uh, walking amongst you now. 
to spread joy. This is the part of the show where we share, uh, in case everyone's absolutely perplexed and wonder why the lights went on and why you're all, all of a sudden you're in the goddamn show. It's because this last few moments we chat about the movie here. Uh, Bogdanovich made uh, 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 Last Picture Show, which did quite well and got Oscars for Cloris Leachman and Ben Johnson. Then his next picture was this one. Then his next picture after this is um, Paper Moon. Uh, and Madeline Kahn didn't win the Oscar for Paper Moon because bloody Tatum O'Neill won the Oscar for Paper Moon and they were both up against each other. But Madeline Kahn is a force of nature in this. When they drag her across the floor out of the, re- out of the reception and her heels leave a, a curvy mark the whole way. Uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Austin Pendleton's teeth. What is it? What does Ken Mar say? Don't shoot him half Italian. That... that. It's breakneck. It's breakneck. Go on. Yes, Robbo's got someone back there. Uh, yeah. well, What's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm a long-time fan of your work. How kind of you? Uh, I, I, my question is, um, I would like you to, uh, first question is, could you please elaborate on, uh, on how this movie is an exploration of the latent homoerotic themes in Warner Brothers cartoons? Well. Uh, and I have a follow-up question. Um, in a fight between... Mickey Mouse and Fritz the Cat who would win. Well, uh, clearly Fritz the Cat because he's coked up. Um, Mickey's on 1920s drugs. He's on Steamboat Willie drugs. And uh, Fritz the Cat's been rolling downtown uh, and there's been a pimp involved. Uh, To answer your first question second, uh, I don't know that this movie's an exploration of homoerotic themes. Uh, Well, maybe you're exactly right. First of all, Barbara Streisand's the male star of this movie, so I think that's where you begin on the homoerotic themes. Madeline Kahn and Barbara Streisand's characters are dominant alphas in this movie. Austin Pendleton and Ryan O'Neal are such little fucking bitches, and... Ryan O'Neill's the cutest little bitch that ever lived. I'm going to put another Ryan O'Neill movie forward here, and it's not the main event, uh, which I think a lot of you were expecting, because Barbara wears the shorty shorts and no bras in that whole movie. And I think the first shot of the main event is Barbara's ass like that, which is beyond measure good. Uh, and she sang the, sang the theme song. But another movie called So Fine, uh, which is uh, Andrew Bergman. Andrew Bergman? Is that how you say his name? Uh, and he made the, the Freshman and lots of other funny pictures. And it's, uh, Ryan O'Neill invents jeans that have see-through butts. That'll give you an idea of what year this fucking movie came out. The idea that jeans with see-through butts is the funniest goddamn thing. It would be like if it, it came out this year and it was about uh, Justin Bieber in a red lesbian jumpsuit or whatever. Ish. Uh, but I, I always thought that movie was wicked funny. I, I think this movie is a, a latent exploration of every uh, uh, beta male fantasy. And also, um, we're, you know, it, it, obviously it's hitting on uh, bringing a baby pretty goddamn hard. Uh, and every other 30 screwball comedy, including, hilariously, the Kane mutiny gets a riff in this movie. Uh, when Leem, the judge, uh, takes the, the giant 70s balls in his hands, you're like, really? We're going to do a Kane mutiny riff in the middle of this fucking movie? Peter Bogdanovich is shameless, and that's kind of what's awesome about it. Uh, thank you for your question. We only have time for 18 or 20 more. And then it'll be New Year's Eve, and we're going to show another movie then. Jennifer, you were so right. This movie is fucking hilarious. Uh, not that I didn't think it would be. I was just wondering. I hadn't seen it in a long time. 
Yes. So I want to thank Jennifer and all of you at the theater, you great for bringing in this. You should thank me most of all because uh, you've seen the people who work at the theater. They're, they're a, a combination of miscreants, malcontents. Uh, motley is not a word that I would use to describe this crew here. These are like the pirates that captured Caesar when he was a student. You know what I'm saying? They'll hold you for ransom, they'll try to fuck you over, and they need to be crucified before the holidays are over. But go on, yes. You may thank me if you wish. It's, I think this is almost a flawless movie. It's one of my favorites. It, it's always as funny every time I see it. And God damn it, it's funny. I'm curious just about the, kind of, the way canons get formed, because when you hear people talk about the funniest American movies, you'll hear Tootsie, you'll hear you know, Something Like It Hot. You don't hear this so much. And I'm wondering no, you don't. As a funny man, why do you think that is? is you know, because it's Bogdanovich, it's from then, and I'll be very goddamn honest, Barbara Streisand's in it, and I think that's what's holding this movie back in a modern sensibility. But if, if you uh, had lived and walked in the 70s as I had, you would have remembered the time when she strode the earth as a mighty Allosaurus Rex. Uh, a lot of people just see her now as a nice lady. She's older and whatnot, like Jane Fonda or whatever. She had a thing, now she's a hairdo, now she's um, uh, uh, Ron Perlman from Beauty and the Beast or whatever, and, and she's back in Brooklyn and shit like that. She's a, a Mike Myers sketch, whatever it is to you as a 30-something you know, douchebag with hipster hair. But if you were me and you were unbelievably cool and grounded in the fundamentals of cinema and the Malays Brothers and Tarkovsky, what you would realize is... And by the way, Tarkovsky's uh, Solaris came out in 72. I, I didn't even get to fucking Solaris. Not the George Clooney, Steven Soderbergh douchebag remake, but the real Solaris that's penetratingly boring, that makes you question your very existence because it dares to take its dick out and measure it against the fucking circumference of the universe. And that's a fucking mathematical calculation that not a lot of directors are willing to make that gyration for. Uh, I think it's because of that. And that Ryan O'Neill, like, w w it, w I've said it about Woody Allen. Really, I don't even want to talk about Ryan O'Neill as a person after this movie exists. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's, he's hysterically funny in this in Paper Moon. He really is. And so fun, as I as earlier described in the, in the podcast. But, uh, I, I, you know, he's best left alone in a lot of ways. And, and Barbara, the, problem, the thing with Barbara is she just does comedies now. But she's only made, like, eight movies in the last, like, 45 years. <laughs> But in, when this movie came out, she was in a frenzy of movies uh, uh, that concludes with, awesomely, the main event uh, toward the 70s and then uh, late 70s, early 80s. And then, you know, then we're into the Prince of Tides. Then we're into the second wave. Um, let's just stop and talk about Barbara for one second and, uh, while you're asking why this movie doesn't... Um, uh, get the play that it ought to. And really, it is, having watched The Producers recently and Young Frankenstein recently and Love and Death recently and Annie Hall recently, uh, which I think are all uh, fantastic, and The Twelve Chairs, which blows, okay? <laughs> Fucking blows. It's not funny anymore. Um, this one's funnier than all of those. Barbara Streisand's the first woman since the silent era when she made Yentl to write, direct... Yeah, fuck you, man. Write, direct, star, and fucking do everything in a movie. And she gets no fucking play for it whatsoever. She really fucking doesn't. Maybe it's because she was as bombastic as Frank Sinatra in her era as a giant star. I think it was the $1,500 tickets on the 90s tour that made people go, when she performed in front of what appeared to be Jefferson's Monticello each night, there was a certain pretension, I think, that was a bit off-putting, where it was like, I invented Hillary Clinton out of my uterus yesterday, and I would like you to welcome her. Yeah, that's what she was like. On my left fallopian tube, Chelsea. On my right fallopian tube, 
bill. And here, I am giving birth now to the Washington Monument. And then, I'm Superman. Love, soft as an easy. She fucking has two Oscars. One for her first movie. So in case you were thinking you were pretty cool in show business, fuck you. And two... Uh, she wrote Evergreen with Paul Williams. That's her other fucking Oscar for writing a song and for starring in a movie. So uh, she's Goldie Hawn, but with like a giant fucking purple Beatrice Arthur dick. <laughs> and I think that's why she doesn't get the play. Um, again, the self tanning in this movie and the cutesy pie hats. Wow. <laughs> The fucking uh, Big Apple's newsboy hats in this movie could make Kenny Ortega throw his shit down. (laughs) I should probably end there, but I don't think I will. I'm not that good a comedian. (laughs) She wore a lot of tank tops and t-shirts in the 70s. You guys have to remember that. And then came that duet decade. Because after the 70s, there was the... uh, the Donna Summer duet and the uh, 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 Andy Gebb duet and then the Neil Diamond duet and then there's probably a Bono or R.E.M. duet in there somewhere that I'm forgetting. She might have done a Metallica duet or Blue Oyster Cult. There's probably somebody I'm forgetting in there. I'm some Funkadelic. Yes? Yeah, my name is Sean. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. Sean, I'm drifting. Go on, yes. Hi, Sean. Um, uh, first personal note, my father was on a business trip in San Francisco and was at the Hilton on O'Farrell Street when this movie was made. Oh, my God. And when he came back, he said, you know, he told us about it. And when this movie opened, he took us out to the, I think it was the, the uh, Man Village in Westwood when it uh, opened. We went over yeah. Anyways. Um, but to extrapolate, what, to add on what he was saying, why this movie doesn't get uh, more play, I think... Um, it goes to bringing up Baby. I am one of those people that think most movies that are remakes of classics suck, but I think this is the exception to prove that this is the exception. That this disproves movie, the rule. It's atypical, yeah. It's just as good, if not better than some uh, Actually, it's probably... Yeah, it's more frenzied than bringing up Baby. But I think most critics will hesitate to want to put this movie above a movie like Bringing That Baby. And I think that's another reason why this movie... They really would. There's a hawk's barrier there. I think you're right. And I'll give you the problem with Bringing a Baby. It's the goddamn baby. Like... (laughs) (laughs) The the one with Madonna that's a shittier remake of this with Griffin Dunn uh, where they actually bring the cat... What's that one called? Who's that girl? Uh, uh, it's It's the animal that stops bringing a baby from being as funny as it could be. In this movie... It's the frenzied pace when they get on the bike together. It's her. She, she portrays both the cat and the, the girl in it, and that's what makes it awesomer, I think, uh, and more propellant. Uh, am I wrong in that regard? Or? No. 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 I mean, I, I, love, I love, you know, is it a cheetah or a leopard? Leopard. It's a leopard. I love the leopard. Uh, I'm all for the leopard. And, the, you know, and all, I mean, and Cary Grant. I just went gay all of a sudden. That, that, it's, it's hard to top. It's hard to top. Uh, and the other thing about Hawks that, uh, that, he, that is so vital is obviously, one, the women characters, but two, 
uh, Hawks lets everybody talk over everybody. And he, he's the great screwball director that does that. And in this movie, you noticed everyone's talking all the time. There's no moment where anyone just has a line. Every, like Everybody's talking all at once all the fucking time, and that's what makes it, it really, really funny. And, and there's hilarious movie, lines like, <laughs> at the beginning, someone goes, hey, what's going on over there? And stuff like that. There's awesome 30s lines that are just dropped like giant bombs. Uh, on top of this one. I know, I, not only has Matthew McConaughey made me reassess everything that I thought was right about <laughs> cinema, this movie tonight has made me reassess everything that I thought about comedy in the 70s and shit like that, and I'm going to have to go back and, um, and talk to Mel Brooks a little bit <laughs> about some of that we- weaker-ass shit that he was flipping. No. His movies are awesome, but this one is a good day. And Paper Moon, as I recall, is really funny as well and has Madeline Kahn again in it. I don't think Barbara's in a funnier movie than this, unless you think fucking Owl and the Pussycat rages, in which case we're going to have some fucking late-night discussions and shit before we eat chips and watch Up the Sandbox together and fucking <laughs> shave our pubes and shit. Star is Born is pretty funny. Which one? Star is Born. I'm- I'd like to reenact a scene from The Star is Born for you right now, if I might. This is Chris Christopherson as the rock star John Foster Kane Millington Singe, or whatever his name is in the movie. Watch closely now. Are you watching me now? Higher and higher and shit that's on fire. And fuck, I fucking... That's his part. Now I'd like to reenact the last 25 minutes of the movie A Star is Born. I am now portraying Barbara Streisand's perm. That's the whole last 25 minutes of the movie. It's pretty wild. There are other bands and they stage at a giant concert in the movie A Star is Born. None of them are shown in the movie because there was no fucking time. Uh, Also, I believe Gary Busey's in it. Uh, as Bill Murray. <laughs> it's quite good. It's quite good. It's not as good as, you know, Yenel has its moments. I've never really liked gender bending. Uh... Who was kidding who? If it had been Julie Andrews as Yentl, that's fucking acting. <laughs> Barbara Streisand, you could see a czar. You know what I mean? The fact that she would dominate an entire country and rule a movie is not that out of the realm. She could have played Patton or MacArthur. <laughs> Barbara Streisand's Patton would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, bastard of a died for his country. <laughs> Made the other bastard die for his country. <laughs> when she bats her eyes at the end, everyone in this theater laughed. Now I know your weakness, and for that you must be punished. This is the Greg Proops Film Club. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Thank you very much for coming out. We'll be back here next month on the 13th. I hope with Omoldovar's Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Thank you very much for coming out. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.